This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What is going on? <laughs> I'm looking. Oh, you must have been looking at my screen, going, "What is he doing?" But I don't know what was going on. Hello, welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show. Clearly, my laptop's being as slow as I often am, uh, which is annoying. But uh, we'll try and sort that out at some point. But it seems to be going fine now. So I hope you're doing good. I hope you're well. Um, <laughs> that's what I was smirking social because for some reason I had a screen where I couldn't see myself. And you, I know that I knew that you could see me, but I couldn't see anything. And if I started talking, it wouldn't have come through of anything because uh, when the intro thing's playing, it mutes me, so I can't talk. So I was sitting there thinking, "Yep, they're watching me just with a plain face, and there's nothing I can do about it." Um, but good morning, hope you are. Apologies, I'm. I feel like I'm kind of a bit of a cold, so I'm going to try and mute myself throughout this when I keep having to sniff because a horribly blocked up nose so uh, apologies about that um but we'll go straight into things there's no long intro besides me awkwardly looking at the camera for a few seconds um but other than that uh, good morning to everybody in the chat box kaiser always kaiser getting in there before everyone i mean 7 32 a.m that's commitment that is fair play to you kaiser uh, if anyone can beat kaiser into the chat box that's your challenge now you gotta beat kaiser into the chat he is he's on it he knows <laughs> mike social akoya uh, who I've not seen before. Good morning, Akaya. Uh, Stevie, Philip, Paul, uh, King, Colin. Uh, yeah, don't forget to hit the like button. Thanks, King. Well done for reminding people. Kevin, Chris, Kevin again. More Kevin. So many Kevins this morning. Adam, Peter, George, uh, Matt, Safiso, uh, Tom Social, as always. Uh, and yeah, the TGT sneeze, Benny, could be coming forward. So I'm going to try and avoid you hearing it as much as feasibly possible. But uh, yes, we will <laughs> we'll try and avoid it if we can. Let's kick on, though, with the first Story, which is always to tell you to go and subscribe to the Arsenal way. Uh, we've got some really good content coming out. In fact, yesterday, if you haven't watched it and you were like, if you were gutted that you couldn't be at the premiere of the uh, Arsene Wenger documentary, uh, Kaya, Chris Wheatley and Gina were all at the uh, the premiere. And what we've done is, is we put together kind of a behind the scenes short two and a half minute video. So if you want to see that after you finish watching this show, of course, 
go click on the link in the description. Go to the Arsenal way and watch the behind-the-scenes clip. There's interviews with Arteta, with Wenger, and with Edu as well. So do go and watch it. And and Gabriel Clark as well, of course, who was uh, behind the whole making of the documentary. So do go and uh, give that a watch. It's on the Arsenal way. Link is in the description. And we've got some interesting content coming out for you guys, looking at some transfer targets like Tyler Adams. Uh, we've already done Dusan Vlaovic, and we're going to do uh, Kulusevski as well, who I just remembered I've not put on this PowerPoint, which I should have done. Anyway, uh, we start off with the unfortunate news that Arsenal done the 23s lost 4-1 last night um, against West Brom in the Premier League Cup. It doesn't affect, I believe, their... Uh, it doesn't affect the, the, the league standings, of course, but on Google it told me it was the Premier League Cup game, which I assume it was. Um, but it was available to watch. You know, a lot of people did tune in for it. I was unfortunately out last night, so I missed it. But I'm aware of the fact that there was a lot of players missing. We didn't have the likes of Patino, etc. I'm not even sure that BRF played. Uh, Balogun, I don't think, was involved. Well, obviously, he wasn't involved because he's my next story. Uh, he wasn't involved because he was scoring for the England under-21s. So the under-23s are without a lot of their first team. Uh, and Balogun uh, was away. And Balogun actually scored in England's under-21s. I believe it's kind of his first start the young England under-21s, which is great news for him, obviously. He's been behind Nketiah, and Nketiah has now moved away from the under-21s uh, and is now in contention forever, if it ever would happen. But in England call-up, he's moved away. He's now 22, I think. So won't be in the England under-21s setup. But uh, Balogun is, and uh, yeah, he's, he's doing really well. So well, in fact, that the England under-21 manager, Lee Carsley, has been talking about how uh, he's kind of not struggling with the under-21s. In fact, in fact he's kind of... He's already finding it too easy at under-23 level. He says, you need testing. Watching him in the under-23s for Arsenal, it's probably a little bit too easy for him. And he's past that level. I imagine he wants to play for Arsenal and push him for a position, but it's such a big club with a lot of competition. I think it would be fair to say that a lot of the clubs in Europe would be aware of Flo's qualities. And if anything, he has just got to keep proving it to himself. He is the only person he's got to impress and look himself in the mirror. He's got outstanding ability, attributes and work rate. And he is a player that people will look forward to seeing. He needs a loan in January. It's as simple as that. He needs to be out in the senior world of football and playing week in, week out. Hopefully, we can get him a good loan this winter so he can go off and start scoring like crazy and come back in the summer. A player that's going to be a real, real quality addition to our side next season that's what we want to see that's what we're hoping for speaking of international news though the world cup uh, and the idea of a biennial world cup which is about a biannual world cup is the idea is that Arsene Wenger has put this forward uh, and that instead of kind of uh, I suppose not even instead of but you would hold the world cup every two years instead of every four years and then there would be kind of euros in between a couple of those tournaments the reason for this is because a lot of the continents out there, like, say, North America, or Asia, Africa, are very much in favour of this and in favour of this move. Obviously, the continent uh, the continent of Europe, South America, supposedly aren't as keen. Um, in fact, all 20 Premier League clubs have um, put forward their opposition to this idea of a biannual World Cup. I... Wouldn't enjoy it. I wouldn't be a fan of it. I like things staying how they are. Obviously, if it happened, we would just get on with it and we continue watching football. We have no bearing on this, but it's not something. I think, if anything, it takes a little bit away from the prestige of the competition that it only takes place every four years. That if you're a footballer, you only really get to take part in four. If you're very lucky, you can probably get to five. I mean, thinking back to Ronaldo, must be going ahead to five now. Um, so I don't think that. 
I don't think it's something that would be the best idea in the world um, to, to, to have a biannual World Cup, but that's just me. And obviously, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. And if you're watching, do put a comment down below and let me know what your thoughts are on a biannual World Cup. Now, Fenerbahce president Ali Koch has been talking about Meza Ozil uh, recently, of course, former Arsenal, uh, former Arsenal highest earner and record signing at one point as well. Uh, Ali Cork has been saying Meza Ozil needs to put aside his commercial work and focus more on the team. Ozil wants to play more. He is hungry to play. Everyone knows what a good Meza will do. The game system may not match what Meza does. However, our coach has no prejudices against him. He wants to make the most of it. Um, interesting uh, that, again, these kind of issues of not even issues, but I suppose the side of things that he stopped him from playing at Arsenal, there's some, you know, he, at the end of his tenure, Arteta was questioning his kind of commitment to training and how how he was applying himself. And he obviously fell out of favour with Arteta, despite him playing under Arteta when he first took over. He fell out of favour there. And now it looks very much like it's, it's also something that's happening Outside, we know that Urza has got a lot of work charity-wise, which is really good. But also, he's got his commercial side of things with like fashion brands and stuff like that. So, look, always want our players when they leave to do as well as possible. I'm not Urza's biggest fan. Um, after the whole trust the process tweet that he put out, which was obviously, you know, it was a bit immature and it wasn't didn't strike me as someone that genuinely does want the club to do well after he's left, which is a shame. But, uh, you know, we never want him to do badly. And we wish him the best of luck, of course. Our last story of the day, actually second to last, because it's something I'm going to talk about because I forgot to put it on the PowerPoint now, is uh, Gabriel Martinelli. And uh, Keke Silva, the uh, Brazilian football expert, has responded to reports that Corinthians were in uh, for Martinelli. However, he's completely disregarded this. He says there is no negotiation between the club and the player. But it does kind of what it does for me anyway. It brings up that whole um, concern that Martinelli's links are being kind of, you know, his agent maybe is kind of tatting him around, not getting as many opportunities as he may want in the first team. I mean, he came on way too late against Watford. He should have been brought on the pitch much, much sooner to be giving him more time and more minutes on the pitch. So that was really frustrating. Um, but I'm not surprised to see links with other clubs starting to emerge. Arsenal can't really afford to let him go. I always said my prediction was that he'd be gone within the next two to three years and someone would come in and buy him because he's not getting enough minutes at Arsenal. When Lacazette and Aubameyang are both moved on, maybe even Pepe, will that lead to an opening in the squad for him? We'll have to wait and see. But unfortunately, he's not yet showing enough, clearly, to get into the team right now. We have a lot of young kids Throwing in another 20-year-old is is only going to make the club or the, the first team even, even younger, which brings with it other associated issues. But if he earns those chances, if he's good enough, he should start. It's as simple as that. The last thing that I want to talk about today is Dejan Kulazewski. Unfortunately, I've got a picture of him to put up on the screen, but the Juventus Swedish uh, winger, wide forwards that can play more centrally, um, is also being linked now with a move to Arsenal. Demazio reported this story saying that inquiries have supposedly been made between Arsenal and Juventus. Nothing in terms of an offer, nothing in terms of contact with the player and the agent. But beyond the report of Demazio, I've heard personally nothing about this. I'm planning to try and do a little bit more digging into this and obviously we'll cover it for Football.London. But it's it's certainly an intriguing it's an intriguing link for sure, and I think it does match kind of what Arsenal are looking to do, bringing young talent 
But I mean, Juventus brought him in from Atalanta for quite a big fee. We're talking between 20 and 30 million pounds, I think it was, that they spent to bring him in from Atalanta. So surely Juventus would want as much of that back as feasibly possible, if not more, on their investment so that Arsenal could get him. It also, for me, would spell the end for Pepe if we are looking to bring in a wide player, especially one who plays on the right-hand side a lot. Why would that mean that we would keep Pepe when we've got someone like Bakaya Saka still here? It's a really intriguing one to be linked with a right winger with a left foot and to keep Pepe. So maybe Pepe's future at the club is not assured. Um, and maybe there is uh, the possibility that he could yet leave in the summer. And uh, the club are moving to do that. We will wait and see. But that concludes all of the news. It is now time for you guys to throw your questions into the chat box. So please do start doing that and we'll go through as many of your comments as we can. Um, let's have a look. Matt says, uh, I think they should cut the international breaks full stop. No one enjoys them at club over country. Um, address asset. It was so good if Arsenal tweeted about this. Um, you know, trust the, uh, <laughs> I don't think you can come up with any kind of menial tweet to talk about it, but, uh, just that tweet from Ozil really did, really bothered me. Uh, I don't know why it bothered me so much, but it just, yeah, it just really, really bothered me. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Ian Mill Smith Road tonight. I'm looking forward to catching him. Um, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do if he gets on the pitch. I mean, we've seen Ramsdale get called up a couple of times, not yet played any minutes. You would think that Ramsdale is going to get picked. Hopefully, Smith Rowe can get his first opportunity in an Arsenal, in an Arsenal shirt, in an England shirt as well. Oh, a massive um, tomorrow, 8 a.m. There is no show tomorrow morning. I'm uh, having a day off. I'm just, just playing, playing for out there. I'm just having a day off from the 8 a.m. shows tomorrow. It's a Saturday uh, and I'm, it's my day off and I'm just going to enjoy my day off. So I don't have to get up early. I have a bit of a lay in. Apologies that there'll be no 8 a.m. show tomorrow, but there just, there just isn't going to be one tomorrow. But uh, I'll be back to normal on Sunday. But this is episode, I think, what, 63? And I think I've only taken one day off in that round of, of 63 days. So I'm just having one day uh, off tomorrow. So forgive me for that. But there's no 8 a.m. show tomorrow morning. But we're back on Sunday once again. Maggi says, uh, what do you make of Tyler Adams' links? Someone who can play in multiple positions and sounds like an Ainsley Maitland-Niles 2.0. I think, Matt, whenever we get linked to a player that's capable of playing in more than one position, we're going to see that tag, aren't we? We're going to see the Ainsley Maitland-Niles tag. And that's really dangerous because Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a decent player, but he's not, a, he's not a great player. And I think that as soon as you label someone with the Ainsley Maitland-Niles tag, people begin to believe he's no better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But Tyler Adams is better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He is, in my view, from watching him and from hearing from lots of people who also watch him, much better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He can play central midfield. He can play right midfield. He can play right wing back. He can also play right back. He would add significant quality to Arsenal's squad, and I would be very, very intrigued in signing him. I also think people are concerned that if we buy him, it means we're not going to go out and buy another central midfielder. You need to start looking at Arsenal like this now because Arsenal are proving under Edu that they will go out and spend money in positions that they think they can improve. We didn't think we'd go and spend £50 million on a centre-back in the summer. We didn't think we'd spend £25 million on a goalkeeper. We did, and we've improved those two positions significantly. So I don't think we can just say that if we bring in Tyler Adams, it completely negates the opportunity to see another player come in. I think he's someone that gives us significant upgrading quality in both midfield and in the cover and competition for Tommy Asu 
at right back. So I think that is all things to consider when talking about Tyler Adams. So there you go. Um, <laughs> social, I agreed to my day off. It's as simple as that. I'm my own boss. It's uh, it's a you know it's it's a perk of the job. It's as simple as that. Um, Constantine says, Tom, do you believe Arsenal will get top four this year? I'm hopeful. Do I believe? Like, I can believe they can, but I'm not sure if they will or not. Dan, yes, there is a members pod this week and it's going to be on Sunday. Uh, I will make sure to uh, put the information into the uh, into the chat box. It's probably going to be around five o'clock on Sunday. So I'll make sure to uh, to let you know when you can get on and how you can get on, but I'll put it into the members. You know there's a members channel in the Discord server. So if you're interested, I think I already know that Vinny has uh, put his interest in. So if you're interested in coming on, then uh, there you go. Yeah, I know I'm probably still going to wake up early, but at least I can, you know, I'll just get up and, and do something different. Have some breakfast, play some console games and uh, enjoy my day off. That's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, Colin, I, I'm taking the day off tomorrow. It's going to be great. I'm going to enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a necessary break. Sometimes you need to just... Relax and recover sometimes. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Akoya says, uh, what do you think of Zapata? I know he's a little aged. Oh, he's 30. He's more than a little aged for a footballer. But I think we really lack a striker with presence up front. It's about time we admit Aubameyang is on the decline and will struggle to make top six. But do you not think, Akaya, that Zapata will soon be on the decline as well? I think that we should probably be looking to bring in someone of their mid, uh, early to mid-20s. Yes, someone that's definitely got kind of aerial presence, as you're talking about. But I think moving for a 30-year-old striker is probably not the right move for Arsenal at this stage of the game. Uh, Paul says, where would you like to see Flo Balogun go on loan? It's a good question. Probably the Championship or the Bundesliga. Either of those two leagues, I think, would be great. I'm not sure if you moved into a Premier League team, he'd get enough minutes. Maybe at somewhere like Norwich, possibly, he could get some minutes at Norwich. But is he really going to be able to develop at somewhere like that where the strikers don't get too much service because they aren't getting too many chances Southampton could that be a good move for someone like Balogun at that point in time or should he move to somewhere in the Bundesliga where he's going to play a lot more maybe somewhere like Borussia Mönchengladbach they're looking for a striker they're already interested in signing Eddie and Ketia maybe we could loan them Balogun for six months somewhere that he's going to play that's the most important thing and at a good senior level the championship is a good senior level the Bundesliga is a better senior level much better Anywhere that he's going to play regularly, that is certainly what we are looking to aim for with a Balogun loan. Um, let's go. <laughs> SK says, can't you have your day off when you retire? Hey, look, don't tempt me. I'll, uh, I'll go into retirement if you're not careful, SK. Philip says, uh, do you think Mark Overmars turned Newcastle down? Is there a role for him at Arsenal? I think he turned the role. He did turn the role down at Newcastle from what we understand. The reason for that being is that he's very happy at Ajax. He, he, I think he took over there in, what, 2011, 2012? Maybe even earlier than that. And he's done a great job at Ajax. I mean, they got to a Champions League semi-final. They're dominating the Eredivisie. They, they look one of the best teams in Europe right now. I mean, they easily beat Borussia Dortmund twice. And Eric Ten Hag is doing a great job. And I really, really hope that he doesn't go to Manchester United. Uh, he's proving me uh, not wrong. I never said he, I didn't rate him. I was kind of like, I don't really know too much about Eric Ten Hag, but watching Ajax, they look so, so good. So, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly one that I will look forward to, to seeing what happens with Ajax and Ten Hag, but not if he goes to not if he goes to Man United. But in regards to Overmars, could he do something at Arsenal? We've got Edu. I don't think we're in the market for a, a director of football at that point because we've got our technical director Already. Uh, would I take Lingard alone for six months? 
You know what? I might. Yeah, I don't think that, that I don't think that it would happen, King. But I think yeah, maybe I would actually. I think he would add some depth to that attacking midfield area, and he always scores at the Emirates, so it'd be nice to see him scoring in an Arsenal shirt. So you know what? Yeah, I probably would, but I don't think it would ever happen, King. Not a chance. Um, let's go to Ali who says, the more I see Diogo Jota, the more I realise you don't need a Chris Wood in order to score from crosses. With that in mind, which striker do you wish for us to sign? It's a good point. I mean, there are strikers that Luka Jovic, not the tallest of strikers, really good in the air. Like there are strikers out there that are really good aerially, but don't have to be the tallest. I do, however, think we, we would benefit from someone with a bit more presence in the box especially physically and aerially, just think it's something that we would add. I like Yusuf Nezri. He's one of my primaries. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, again, is another one that I really look at and like. Dusan Vlaovic, you can't really turn your nose up at him. And Isaac, look, Isaac, if we were to sign Isaac, I'd, I'd be happy with that. But there's just something about him I'm not 100% convinced by. But we'll see. Maybe we go for someone who proves me utterly wrong. Always happy to be proved wrong if it's to the benefit of the club. Uh, Sakub says, surely Saka needs to, a new improved contract as it ends in 2024 and he is on £30,000 per week. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we can get him signed up to a new deal, but we did make that previous mistake. If you remember at Arsenal of putting players on contracts too early in their career, we've given him a new contract in 2020. I absolutely believe we'll give him a new contract before the end of his current one, probably by even maybe next year, we'll give him a new contract. We'll have to wait and see. But he's certainly earned it, that's for sure. Ben Katesh says, do you think Vinay or Edu should address the problem of media or journalists falsely linking players to Arsenal, agents using the name of Arsenal just to get good offers for their clients? How, Ben Katesh? <laughs> How can you stop that? Um, it's, it's, not, it's not something that can be stopped. Uh, unfortunately, not even unfortunately, look, as someone who works in the media, a lot of contacts are through agents and a lot of stories come from agents and you know reaching out to, to people that are associated with certain players and if they give you a bit of information about their player you're going to publish that story because you know it's it's a good story you've got a good exclusive you've got a good scoop there you're gonna you are going to publish that information um it's so Vinay and Edu can't do anything if that information isn't accurate because the information that's come from the agent, that's come from the player's representative to the media to then put out that info. So it's, you know, it's, they're not, they can't do anything to stop it. And as I've learned more about being in the, kind of in the industry, it's not, it's not, it's not something that you would, you would see happen, the club stopping it. All you would see is them denying it. And a lot of the time, if you think about it, they don't deny it. They don't really deny links. If I remember back to like the whole, um, there was a few links to who is it we were linked to all the time? Jan and Via, Sebastian Frey, like these players, like and you never saw them coming out saying, No, we're not linked with this player or that player. They just turn around and say, We're not, you know, we're not considering uh we're not going to talk about it publicly. Arteta does that all the time. He just says, I'm not going to talk about things publicly because there probably is an element of truth. Like, so if they said there's nothing in that, they might not be telling the truth, and that could actually have a more detrimental impact on the negotiations because you know, if you are discussing with a player and you go into a press conference and say, we have no interest in that player, it could put the player off. Like maybe they want you to be a bit more committal to him and show that, that you are interested in that player. So you convince them that, you know, you've been saying one thing in negotiations, you're saying another thing in the media. I know that you could turn around and try and add a caveat of, you know, we're going to say this in the media because we want to keep it under wraps. If you're a player, you want to get the best possible deal for yourself. 
So the more competition of clubs that are aware of that you're able to move, the more offers you're going to get. So it's it's a really difficult balancing act, Venkatesh. But no, you can't. No one can do anything to to stop those kind of things from coming out. And it's not something that you would see really, besides the club just turning around and saying it's either not true or you know we're in, we can't talk about that right now. But it's very rare you would ever see that happen. Uh, Aquarius says, would you prefer Flo and Martinelli in the Bundesliga or in Spain instead of the championship? Uh, no, not really. As long as they're playing, I don't care. I don't care. As long as they're playing week in, week out, and they're getting some good experience, I don't care. Eugene, that's a really uh, short-sighted and unfortunately stereotypical kind of look because you've looked at one player who's Moroccan. You've said, oh, it's another player. He's Moroccan. You're comparing them. Really short-sighted and really shallow opinion there, which I don't rate whatsoever. Um, Barpal says, Tom, what are your thoughts uh, on Wahid? Uh, I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know who he is. Honestly, I have no idea. A 18-year-old Stuttgart striker, Danish. Uh, he has scored two goals in seven matches in the Super Legion, and he has moved to the Bundesliga and scored one goal in four matches. I haven't seen any of him. Uh, I've seen absolutely none of him, but I know I'm speaking to a Bundesliga expert a little bit later on today. I will ask him about him, but I know nothing of him. I wasn't to be careful when I see a name pop up that I've not heard of, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, not heard a thing about him, but I will, you know, thanks for bringing him to my attention and I'll certainly be monitoring that. King says, uh, oh, what's this in regards to? Uh, what did Matt say? Uh, a good six months at West Ham. He hasn't done it with his career so far. He's just like Willock. Oh, Jesse Lingard. That's what we're talking about. Uh, he had a long depression. That's why he was struggling, but he's done way more than six months. He's even scoring this season, but Ollie won't play him. Look, I think Lingard's a player with quality. I think he proved that at West Ham. I think he then went into the preseason when United scored goals. He's not being given chances. He has scored goals for United this season still in the few chances he has got. Six months for a loan, you never know what would happen, but I don't think it would happen. There you go. Uh, some some reports work to clubs' advantage, like smoke screens. Absolutely no sleep, which is another reason why you wouldn't see clubs coming out and denying certain links because they can use them as coverage for their other moves for other players. So there you go. Uh, Bozu says, should we go for another Lille attacker in Jonathan David? A lot of people like Jonathan David. I think he's doing some really good stuff. I wouldn't. I'm not sure if he's the right player for us. But uh, And I am obviously a little bit tentative of signing attackers from Liga at the moment, just after the whole Pepe thing and how much Pet Lille would ask for. But we shouldn't be short-sighted about it. And, you know, he could turn out to be a great player. But there's always going to be that apprehension about signing another attacker from Lille after what happened with Pepe because they play so differently to how we play. Um, Kasper Dolberg is a good shout, young and fits Arteta system. I don't think he's really done that much. I mean, it's ironically, Eugene, that you rate Kasper Dolberg and not Inezri. Um, Three goals in eight games this season for, for Nice. He's only played 387 minutes. He's not starting for Nice. I mean, for my money, I, I, I he's he's only scored in the games he started in. Scored two against Lille in a 4-0 win. Scored one against Nantes uh, in a 2-0 in a win. But other than that, in all the other minutes he's played, he's not he's not even been in the squad a few times. I don't think... He is the type of striker we should go for whatsoever. Uh, and Nezri is far, far better than him. Uh, Sanyik says, what do you think about Van der Beek? Look, I'd absolutely take Van der Beek. I just don't think Man United would sell him to us. I don't think it would happen. And I think if they did, they would really, really overcharge us for him. And that would probably put me off signing Van der Beek 
on a deal because I just think you could sign someone better that we should go for. Maya, any Spanish strikers? Now, the problem with the Spanish strikers is that Spain, Spain's never really been known in the last decade or so for producing strikers. Prior to that, you had Fernando Torres, you had David Villa, uh, um, you, you've had obviously Bergatrina, um, Butragrenio, uh, who else have we had? Raul, of course. But in the last 10 years, uh, you've not really had anyone of, of note. Alvaro Morata has been there. Diego Costa is obviously someone who played for Spain, but never really did it for for Spain. Like Diego Costa for, for the Spanish football was never, it never really worked. It didn't work and fit the Spanish system at all. And I think we saw that at Brazil when Spain were absolutely embarrassed um, but during that, that World Cup tournament in Brazil. So he never really worked. Players like Rodrigo de Moreno is now at Leeds. Uh, and at the moment, obviously, Morata's still there. Ferran Torres plays a lot up top, but he's not really an out-and-out striker. You've got RDT, Raul de Tomas, who's at Espanyol, who actually, I think, got his first call-up and start yesterday for the Spanish national side. They just, yeah, they there's not really been too many um, in the last 10 years that, bar Costa at club level, that have really really kind of done really, really well. So I'm not sure that that's, that's something that we look at. And there still isn't anything there that, that we would look at now for a Spanish striker to, to go for. So there you go. Mitchell says, don't you think Arsenal would be uh, a sideways step for Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I'm from Merseyside, but the red persuasion, all my blue mates think he stands to gain nothing in joining Arsenal. I mean, it's absolutely not a sideways step. Uh, and in fact, I think I did an entire article on talking about why it's not a sideways step. The opportunity to win trophies at Arsenal is significantly greater. Trying to think back to when our Everton's last trophy was, I think it was in, was it 1995? Um, I think it was the League Cup that they may have won. Uh, that was their last trophy. I mean, in that time, Arsenal have won a ridiculous amount of trophies. Uh, you've also got the fact that Arsenal at the moment are in a top four race. Everton are nowhere near that. I say nowhere near right now. They're, they're you know, they're in relatively close distance, but they're just nowhere near FA Cup. I think it was in, was it 95, 95 FA Cup? There you go. Knowledge. <laughs> uh, I know I said League Cup, but got the year right. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a sideways step at all. Hold on. Give me a second. The TGT sneeze is back. But no, I don't think it's a sideways step to say Everton to Arsenal. It's just not. I think that's a very biased view from a Merseyside side of things. I'll speak to David Hughes at some point. He's a big Everton fan who works for Reach and I do a lot of the tactical shows with, but I don't think it's a sideways step. Um, I think it's a step up. You've got much more chance of playing in Europe, much more chance of winning trophies. Arsenal are certainly on the up. Everton are in a kind of weird state of, of constant up and down. Um, and, you know... They're constantly up and down and, and yo-yoing around mid-table to top seven, but never really doing anything beyond that. So absolutely, it's not a it's not a sideways step whatsoever. He's got loads more to gain as an Arsenal striker than he does as an Everton striker, easily. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there before I decide to sneeze my way off the podcast. Thank you ever so much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate you always doing so. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. I'll be live on the Arsenal way at 930 as always, with uh, a couple of close friends as per. So if you are around, do join us then. But other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Go listen to the Harry, uh, my, myself and Harry talk on the Canton Simu show that was out yesterday. And we'll be doing a lot more content throughout the weekend. No show tomorrow morning, day off tomorrow. 
But other than that, it's been a pleasure to speak to you as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.